Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken here. I've left a big pause there because people have said that it sounds like the name of the podcast is Utabia Stephen Chicken, <laughs> which is a different podcast. Nobody that's only wants available. That. Well, it's only available behind a paywall. So if you DM me, I'll send you the uh, the address for that. It's a very niche thing. Um, Huddersfield Town <laughs> have had a really busy couple of weeks since we last recorded. Um, we had the international break where nothing was happening, so we thought, no need to do a podcast here. And then suddenly everything has happened <laughs> in the space of a week, hasn't it? Opta's David Hartrick. It has. It's been a busy old time, and you have been front and centre at part of it, haven't you? Yeah, we did that big interview with Phil Hodgkinson and Lee Bromby and Dave Threlfall Sykes, and I, I, I mean, that was a huge, huge interview for us. The level of interest in that is never before seen at the examiner um which i think just sort of shows that they needed to do that interview and there are reasons that they went into towards the end as to why they hadn't had this conversation before um primarily to do with not wanting to hurt their negotiating position within the transfer window but also the other big primary reason was they said they felt like they had done enough talking and needed to to actually put their plans into action and show that they were moving in the right direction. The interview actually happened just after the Rolando Aarons deal had fallen through. We understand that there was a, a hitch in the deal late on um, that that was neither club, but meant that the deal got delayed um, at sort of the crucial moment and then didn't get through until two minutes past five. So that that's sort of the latest info I've got on that. They needed that winger. They needed that attacker, didn't they, Dave? We talked about this before. Mm, yeah. The, the striker versus winger debate, we're not going to have all of that again. We had that <laughs> debate on, was it the last podcast? They could have just done with some fresh blood into that attacking lineup, one way or another, though. That's that's the reality. Whatever the reason was, it didn't, it didn't happen, but they're already looking towards January with that deal reading your excellent interview Stephen um, oh, thank you so he still might be a town player yet but I, I don't know I think it's worth talking about the transfer window a bit overall because there was a, a lot of people have been extremely negative about it I'm probably fairly neutral on it if I'm honest I don't think it was brilliant I don't think it was particularly bad where do you fall I think the signings they made generally speaking were good um, and I think the fans would agree with that we did sort of a hit or miss uh, thing with the fans uh, a few weeks ago and Pippa, Saar, Iting all got over 95% on that Danny Wood was pretty much 50-50 and Joel Pereira's mark was a bit lower, but I mean, he's he was signed as a backup goalkeeper, so I'm sure no one's heart's going to be broken over that, to be perfectly honest. So, in that sense, the players they've signed look to be the right players for the job. We've already seen really, really good stuff out of Pippa. We've seen really promising stuff from Saar on his on his you know handful of appearances, three appearances he's made now, hasn't he? And and Carolite in sort of a, a similar number, I think maybe one more one more sub appearance than Saar. Um and he's you know he's not been amazing, but he's certainly shown signs that he's got that quality on the ball. And it looks like he's going to be playing in the final third now rather than as a six as we thought he might. So that's uh, that should give Town a bit of an injection of creativity and already has at certain moments. But you can't really overlook the fact that we spent most of the sort of the last month of the window going, well, if Carlin Grant goes, they need to sign an attacker. That is clearly a view that the club signed, hence why they went back for Chris Willock initially, and then why they went for Rolando Aarons for, for deadline day. They obviously felt that, that they were short on a winger. And they've, they've got a policy of having two players for every position. The fact they've signed Alex Vallejo now um, for defensive midfield, and that's the first and last time that I'm going to do the on the, the J. Um, they've signed Alex Vallejo um, for defensive midfield, which means they do have two players for every position except the wing, and um, where they've they've got three wingers for sort of the the the, the two wing slots, Karoma and Benza and Diakabi. They they did need to fill that slot to be perfectly honest, because um, for all. And Benza has been improved. He's, he's not exactly been putting in sort of nine out of ten performances. He's been putting in sort of steady six and sevens, which is really encouraging. Um, but, 
you know, he's, he is still a work in progress, even if he is making progress. And Dear Carby, we've not even really seen much of him. Um, you know, he's been on the bench as an unused sub several times, and I'm not convinced that that he's the answer to, to very many problems, to be honest. Karoma is a bit more encouraging, to be fair. He's making good progress, but we've we've also seen moments where he's fraudly scored against Swansea, where he's got in front of goal uh, and not taken chances that he probably should have taken. Hopefully that Swansea goal sort of opens the floodgates a bit for him now, but yeah, I mean, they they needed that winger. I, I would say it's centre-forward as well, and, and one of the things in the interview that Phil got a lot of criticism for was saying they have five strikers, and in fairness to Phil, if you re- go back and read that interview, he was building up to a... He intentionally included a couple of academy players to build up to a point um, about the fact that they've got academy players in backup. And I think fundamentally part of the issue is just that fans don't think that Danny Ward is a first-choice centre-forward, which the club do. And the fact he's been injured and the fact that he has been at the club before and not been a centre-forward, I think, are both factors in that. I've rambled on for a very long time there, Dave. <laughs> so apologies for that. But what 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 was your take on it? Well, I, I, I hate... Um... I hate the idea that you can like win a transfer window, and I, I I think all you can do with a transfer window is I think you just have to assess: is the squad any better? Is the squad any worse? And I think for all the business that was done, the players that have come in and the players that have gone out, I look goalkeeping wise, and I think well, they've got Hamer and Pereira and Schofield now. They had Grabara, Lossall, Coleman, and Schofield last season, so you'd argue that's a bit weaker. Mm-hmm. Defensively, you'd say it's pro- it's probably a bit stronger because they've got that right back. You know, Simpson was brilliant when he came in, but then tailed off quite badly when the the game started going thick and fast. So I think you mm-hmm. go, yeah, you've lost Congolo, but he wasn't playing anyway. He wasn't offering. Oh anything. yeah, I don't think I, no one has made a single. Uh, comment about Terence Kingolo's departure to me one way or the other. So. so I think adding in, you know, Sar and uh, Pippa there is is good. They've got the same cover each side, Brown and Dehaney. So I'd say the defence is a bit improved. Midfield, I don't know. I'm a, I'm. I think it's about the same. I, I I need to see a bit more of Iting, but obviously they had Chalabar. They had a couple of options there. Bakuna, I think you could probably put him in with the wingers as well, possibly, Steve, because I think he's going to end up having to do a job there quite mm. a few times this season. And then up front, you'd say they're probably worse off without Carl and Grant, without, without a doubt. Um, but I'd say overall, I don't think the squad is sort of markedly worse or, uh, you know, it looks massively different. They're going to struggle. And the unknown in all of this is still Carlos Corbran because he's getting more from players that were there anyway. So I'm quite neutral on it, really. I think they could have done with that attacking player and that would have pushed it into, yeah, this is a fairly positive window. But I think the business they've done is intelligent. I think getting players out that they needed to get out was intelligent again. It's just... Fans just want to be excited. Fans want to have an Emil Smith-Rowe come in on the last day. They want Mm. to have a... You know, it's that fizzy feeling again, isn't it? And I get that there was a bit of that with Iting, but unfortunately it came... It was the nature of the sort of announcement coming after that uh, that game that just all felt a bit yeah it, at Brentford yeah it all felt a bit flat I get that but yeah I I just think it was I think it was generally fine I don't think it was bad I don't think it was good I think what it does do is put a little bit of importance on January because if Town keep up this this good form then uh, you know there's going to be a section of the fans who are demanding investment anyway but who are going to be looking at this and saying well we really need to give this manager the tools he needs to do the job. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fine overall. No more than that, no worse than that. Yeah, and you know, Rolando Aarons, it's worth saying, he, you know, it's he's not gone and just scored 19 goals in the championship himself. It's not like he's they a had this... player. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, he's from what I, I mean, you look at his stats and, um, and I'm talking here just about sort of appearances and goals, like very like top level stats, because in truth, I've not even really had a chance to dig into to him yet and what he might bring to the team. That is something that, that we will look to do. Um, and I know someone else for our site has, has written a piece on that if you want to look for it. Um, but the point is, he's not, you know, it's not like they've gone and tried to sign side Ben Rama and that's fallen through at the last minute. No. Um, the thing about Aaron's is he's, he's, a, he's another player that's got, all the talent in the world 
but hasn't been able to apply it properly. Mm-hmm. And I know he had a he had a bit of a disastrous loan spell at Sheffield Wednesday, was it, where it just didn't. This is what I was coming on to. It. Yeah, the, sort of the reports I've had from people at the Newcastle end is that they that they some of those loans perhaps weren't the best moves mm. for him. It's it's you see when not to give town too too much credit or anything, but when they loan players out, it's it's usually got sort of a progression in mind. Uh, you know, they'll send them to non-league first to get used to physicality, then they'll go for a League One or League Two, and then they'll try bring them into the Championship team. Then, whereas Aaron's has been to Italy, he's been to the Czech Republic, he's been to Scotland, mm. he went to the Championship and then down to League One. So there's been a bit of inconsistency there but i mean not to i mean the only reason we're sort of dwelling on him as well is because phil has said that that he remains the top target for january otherwise i think we'd be moving on already yeah. at this point in the podcast to be perfectly honest um but, but it would yeah. also to be fair on that it, it would be even worse to say we really wanted this player it fell through at the last minute so that's it we're never going to look at him again because yeah. basically back yourself if that's your pick mm. go and get your pick you know yeah. back your back yourself so i get that and there's an enormous amount of games to be played. You know, there's 19 between that Swansea game that we just played on Saturday and then the red income on the 2nd of January. There's 19 games in 77 days there. Um, and that includes a, a, a two-week international break. So it's a lot of games, but in terms of time, that you know, it's, it's 10 weeks or whatever it is. It's not a huge amount of time to be... Um, waiting for a player and they they have said if if the need arises and they really feel like they need to add someone and there's someone available as a free agent who they think can add to the side and who's available on the right deal then they'll they'll go and get them they're not ruling that out so i'm I'm not sort of trying to 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 defend them too much here because as i say i think you know we've both sat here and said they desperately needed that signing but i think um there are factors sort of in the club's defense to be fair yeah, and I think it just it just moves it just moves the issue to January where I think if we get to the end of January and they haven't got Aaron's for whatever reason and they still are operating with three players who who are sort of specialists as wingers, then we will both have to sit here and say, Yeah, that's that's not good enough. They've they've got an issue there and they've not done anything about it. But I don't think that's gonna be the case. I I think all signs are pointing towards soon as that window opens. <laughs> Aaron's will be in and then if they have got other issues or other areas they they want to look at they can over the rest of that month but yeah I I, I think it's all pointing towards the deal's done we just need the window to open so we can get the signature on it yeah I think yeah I think everyone's on the same page with that um yeah I think we should probably move on to the two games because the other reason that we're sort of being a bit (laughs) <laughs> or that I'm being a little bit well maybe it's no great loss they'll get him in January is because of those two wins that they've had over Swansea and Derby and we need to be careful here because as as I've just written in the conclusions that I literally just put out as we've come onto this call you know those problems that we talked about earlier this season haven't all gone away have they Dave? No I think I, I don't I don't want to sort of be negative after a good run of form and that's that's not what we're going to do or anything but I think that we're going to talk about the wins I think it's important to say that there's I'm not going to go into st- statistics this week just because I think it's it's boring to a degree it's good when there's you know like different things you can pull out mm. but I can simply sum up town statistics by saying everything's on an upward curve you know we'll talk about it when we get a good sample size to look at some proper averages, but everything's finally going the right way. But there are things that are unsustainable. Town aren't going to play a side who are <laughs> likely to sack their manager uh, the day after, like they did with Forrest. And I, I, is Coco still there as we took, as we record I, this? I think he is. I'm going to have to Google it. To be fair, I was surprised he was still there when we played him last time. So yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah. And the Swansea game, they were. Fortunate to go ahead in that game, shall we say, um, and get through to half time as well. Uh, I I think, as I said, I don't want to be negative, but the difference is that Town are riding their luck at the moment, but they're getting the results, and they've not done that for years. You know, it, they play those games eight months ago, and they've lost them, Steve. That's that's the big difference, yeah, exactly. in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the Swansea and the Derby games 
especially the Swansea game. They were almost sort of a bit of a, a coin flip as to, to who was going to win. You know, you, you couldn't say that Town fluked the victories in either of them, but they, you know, they did ride their luck in those games that Swansea missed so many chances and Derby had that really, really, I was going to say questionable offside. It's not even questionable. He was, he was two yards <laughs> it was onside. It was a full stride onside. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. I he, mean, we he literally, were... he ran around Richard Stearman after the ball had been Yeah, we, we were in the press box and we looked at each other after that. And if, if Derby go 1-0 up from that, then obviously it becomes a very different game. But I think what's interesting is that the Forest game, the Swansea game, and the Derby game, it's the one moment of quality that has won yeah. it. So it's Fraser Campbell's unbelievable finish. It's Josh Caroma's brilliant run across the edge of the box and firing it in. And last night it was putting that move together and the one-two between Bakuna and Toffolo that just carved Derby apart on the counter because they were trying to press so high. So... That's that's the difference because Town just didn't have the not the the capability. They've always had the capability, but they just didn't have the mindset to be able to put those moments together. And now yeah. that's that's the big difference, and that that will carry them forward away. But the sort of next step is to see Town start a game on the front foot control it for 90 minutes and come away with that comfortable 2-0 victory where everybody just goes well yeah you know they always looked like they were going to win that game mm. whereas last night it was all a bit harem scarum at times and, and Derby's delivery into the box was absolutely pitiful I, te- I tell you who they reminded me of actually it was late stage Yancey of Huddersfield Town Derby yes. looked like last night yeah. um, so, exactly what I thought so yeah so Preston are another side who have been rocking and reeling this season so they're they're a scalp to be taken but yeah what that's the next step really just have that really comfortable cruise through it no problems victory that we've not had since since David Bagner was there and because we've not had that yet that's why we're being quite cautious still and saying Mm. look these problems aren't necessarily gone and why you know and I talk about you know it's a coin flip but at least they're now putting themselves in contention to win those coin tosses which they just they just weren't last season so many times because of those moments of quality if you yeah if you if you make yourself if you get yourself into a position where you can do that for 30 seconds in one game then you have a chance and we've sat there and torn our hair out Steve because they just haven't looked capable of I mean the XG on most of their chances last season for instance was just ridiculous because they just didn't create clear-cut opportunities that's not what they do so last night it was really good to see that goal um where it starts with the keeper and they created every single part of that goal there themselves you can't say any part of that was down to a defensive mistake or poor positioning or poor keeping or anything like that it was a good sweeping move and that's what we need to see from town a bit more you know yeah definitely and worth saying as well Janunio Bakuna obviously got the goal he he, that was his best performance for town this season by a mile it still wasn't again it still wasn't sort of a nine out of ten performance it was a seven but you know <laughs> he he was you're you're doing the wavy hand gesture there, Dave. Yeah, was it a good performance or did he just score? I I know I think he played. I mean, he was disciplined. He was you know it would have been a six if he hadn't scored, but you know he's not got I, to a six I so far this was, season. It's been on threes and fours. Yeah, I thought he was okay, but again there were a couple of moments where he yeah, the just, frustration's still there. He, you know, either the concentration goes or he still does the jog when he should be sprinting back into position and then wondering why the derby player suddenly has 6 yards of space around him. Yeah, I think that's fair, but he was he was I I still think he was much better and you look at his stats and uh, I think he had five key passes, which means sort of passes leading to goal scoring chances and mm. you know, they're not all that's not necessarily passes that put someone clean through one on one, but it's chances that, that lead to shots at least and he's but not getting anywhere. I, I would I'd argue that's where he's always been good. That's that's what he does, that's what he I would likes. Agree, I would agree, but he's not been doing it. No. Um, well he ju- that's, he's that's just not issue. looked I mean, he's looked disinterested a lot of the time, but I think... Mm. And and without that, what is he for is the issue, and he's just not been doing it. So at least he's added that now. Yeah. So he's going the right way. Again, I'm not being overtly negative. It's just... No. I I, I still... I still I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying he was man of the match last night, which I thought no, was absolutely no crazy. I mean, Stearman or Toffolo? Yeah, day. I think you went Stearman, I went Toffolo. I mm. 
I think Toffolo was as was outstanding last night. I think he's really enjoying himself in under this management team because he's got he's always had the freedom of that flank to do what he wants, but now he's got players around him working as hard. And he's he's. I mean, what's he on for the? Is that second assist for the season already? I think so. Yeah, run a goal as well, and he almost he almost got another goal against Swansea if he'd just been a little bit closer yeah. to the ball when Mbenza hit the post. Nothing Toffolo could have done about it. He just wasn't quite close enough to it. But yeah, I mean, this I mean this system is completely tailor made for him as well yeah. because it's all about getting up the flank and getting to the byline and then squaring the ball across the box, which is exactly what he did for Campbell, exactly what he did for for Bakuna and. You know, those cutbacks are a core principle of what Corbran wants the team to do. And, and Toffolo was already doing that under the Cowleys. So, of course, he's continued to do well under Corbran. And, and yeah, I mean, he's he's the perfect player for them, almost, you would say. In the same way that Lewis O'Brien was the perfect Danny Cowley player, I think Harry Toffolo is the perfect Carlos Corbran player. Mm. And I think Pippa on the other side is, is getting there, but he's he's a bit looser than Harry Toffolo, he's he's just still trying to get up to speed a little bit. He was mm. he was involved a lot last night because um, when Tom Lawrence was on the pitch, he had absolutely no uh, interest in coming back and covering that side whatsoever at any point. So he found himself basically with one man to beat every single time, and I think he did okay. But I think when you compare him to Toff on the other side, then there's no real comparison at the moment. But there's enough positive signs to show that I I would hope by Christmas, when he's properly up to speed, Town's wing backs are basically going to be their main source of source of attack, and I think they're going to be difficult to stop. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I, I think um, I think Pipper actually in attack, he was fine in defence, but in attack, I thought he was a bit immature at times. Actually, to be honest, yeah, he, the two the two shots when he he was in a position to play people in were were the thing, particularly the second one, mm-hmm. the first the first one, Arda took that shot on Steve where no he way. went to the top corner, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't you couldn't blame him for that, but but yeah, there was one where he had Mbenza and Campbell, and I think one other in the middle, and 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 chose to shoot, put got it nowhere near the target, and and they you know Campbell shouted at him as you'd expect, and Mbenza actually st- stopped him <laughs> on his way jogging back and went Pippa, come on, yeah. <laughs> like shrugging his shoulders. Incredible so, to see Mbenza have a strop about something. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't happy about being taken off, was he? And. No. No, we we won't get too deep into that, but suffice no. to say, Matt Glennon uh, and Oggy spotted it and apparently went in deep enough <laughs> for us. Right really. there, we go. But so. I I saw it all. I saw him try to storm down the tunnel and then get sent back round because you just you're not allowed to do that from a COVID point of view. Yeah. Um, and then I I've saw seen everything. Saw, <laughs> saw his drop up the steps and he he wasn't happy, but. I, I think there's a big difference. I think it should be worth saying, one, I, I don't think it was great, and I'm sure mm. somebody there is going to have a proper word with him. If there'd have been fans in the ground, that would have gone down like a lead balloon. <laughs> Trust me. But mm. I, I do think that probably shows where his head's at at the moment, which, A, he actually cares again, because I think it would be fair to say there was there was a pretty long period where he just didn't care about playing for Huddersfield Town. And B, I think he knows he needs to impress. He's got... He, he needs to kick on. He, he needs... I mean, I hate to say it, but he needs to be a professional footballer again, playing games week in, week out, and contributing to the team. So... I'm not saying it's it's good to see or anything like that, but if if nothing else, the fact that he cares now, I think, is a positive sign. Yeah, definitely, and and you know, Carlos Corbran spoke about him at the the press conference before the the Swansea game, I think it was, and gave a really detailed answer and was saying, you know, he 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 volunteered. Well, he basically Corbran said we want you to come back and give up your holiday to come back to training early because you've got a bit of catching up to do because the French season was just mm. stopped rather than being finished. And uh, and Mbenza took it um, and has been really impressive in training with his attitude and his work rate. And you can see in him as well that, that 
there's such a, a massive difference. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't great the way he went off against Derby, but you would, I would also point to, you know, the celebration that he had with, with Karoma and Bakuna after the Swansea game. And that that's a player who is enjoying being part of this team, I think. He, he wants to play well. That's the difference. He wants to play well. He wants to contribute. He wants to be part of this team. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely fine. But yeah, somebody just needs to have a word with him and just say that was... That's not the way to express that, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. We should probably talk about the expectations for, for the season now because inevitably we've got up to the heady heights of eighth and people are getting a little bit giddy. Um, would it be fair to say that it's way too early to be talking about anything to do with the playoffs? No, Premier League or bust. Why not automatic <laughs> top two? Uh, yeah, because as I said, I think it's difficult because what we what we don't want to do on this podcast, Steve, is come on here and just pop everyone's balloons and say, you know, it's not going to happen for this, this and this reason. It's just A, there's a small sample size to look at at the moment. B, I think each of the wins has its own context. And C, the, the squad is still, it's pretty thin. And they're going to be playing a game on average every four days up until New Year, I think you worked out, Steve, was it? That's right, yeah. Um, and that playing a high-intensity, en- high high-energy, pressing, passing game nine times in December, that's a, that's a big ask. And I said on the podcast, I can't remember whether it was last week or the week before, that I think the way this town is this this club is set up at the moment the, the way they're playing they're definitely going to be beaten big a couple of times uh, it's just just by the very nature of the the style they are trying to implement and i think it's they've got to bounce back from them as well make sure they don't carry mm. that hangover into a couple of games or anything like that so what we wanted before the season steve i don't know if we talked about it on mic or off air but we both said what town could really do with is a really safe easy steady ascent into mid-table stay there all season no fear of relegation come february you know end of february be sat there go yeah well there's no chance they're going to go down and that would do for the season and i think that still has to be the aspiration really yeah finish 14th kind of thing and 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 have seen signs of progress i think and to be honest that is exactly the expectation or the hope that we had going into last season and obviously it it didn't happen and uh, i think there has been and you, you we talked about this last night a little bit of uh retconning a little bit of of changing yeah, of history right. in retrospect about about what an achievement it was that they are even still in this division because you know well you you, you say what you said last night well i just so somebody said that this club doesn't achieve and last season wasn't a, wasn't an achievement it was dreadful and various other things and i think Whatever you thought of the Cowleys, yeah, the football wasn't great at times, but they had to play a certain way, and I think that's been borne out by what we know about some players and the players that have uh, been bombed out, shall we say. Mm -hmm. They did some fantastic business in January, and staying up when you have two points up, was it two points after 11 games they got to? Two after nine. Two after nine. Yeah. That's that had never been done before so to to say that wasn't an achievement or to just write it off as a terrible season which i'm not saying it was great but yeah it was a terrible season but they should have gone down yeah Yeah. they climbed a mountain to stay in that league they absolutely climbed a mountain and then you throw in the fact there was players dropping who got sent to train with the kids there was an injury crisis there was covid and when they came back they had a couple of horrible games, but their form over that mini league was actually comparable with with anyone around them. Mm. I I I think we've just got to be careful to just write off last season because I think they they as I said what the Cowleys did was they they achieved a, a, a well a footballing miracle on a, in a lot of senses, and I think what we're seeing now is partly a continuation of that good work and a new philosophy at play and a coach who wants to change the shape of the club and a club who have basically turned it over to him as they did with David Wagner in the hope they get a similar level of success but 
it, it's just in terms of aspirations, there's nothing wrong with being aspirational. We've said on this podcast, Steve, there's nothing wrong with being aspirational. There's nothing we've wrong. Actually, we've actually asked the club to be a bit more ambitious. Yes, we have. And that's that's a good thing. But right now, right at the moment, uh, without repeating ourselves, what they really need is signs of progress, a couple of players blooded into the first team from the youth team for next season, a nice safe mid-table finish, and then a full pre-season. That's what they really yeah. need to kick on another level. And it's not like there's no point us, you as a Liverpool fan, me as a Brighton fan, sitting here telling Huddersfield Town fans to just be grateful for what you've got or anything <laughs> like that. That's not what we mean at all. It's just it, it's playoffs and promotion talk is sexy, and what Town could do with it at the moment is is just safe really safe sex yeah is what they want that's yeah. what i'm advocating <laughs> um yeah and i would agree with that and the reason that we're sort of dredging up the county is because we sort of made a vow within a couple of weeks of them getting sat that we weren't going to constantly bang on about the cowleys throughout the season and and we tried not to but the reason we bring that up is is to remind you where the club mm. were at the start of the season and, and where they were a week ago because and I don't think anyone to be fair I don't think anyone's getting like too carried away people who are making jokes about you know um, you know they're going to storm the league now and Phil on his on his boat that we can't say the name of and yeah. uh, and his train that we can't say the name of and, and those memes they're, they're tongue in cheek and I get that um, I went all Alan Partridge there and I get that um, but um, I think there is genuinely uh, a danger that that people actually do start believing that and then when the wheels eventually come off or the boat sinks depending which meme you want to go with um that people suddenly think they, everything's terrible they again lose, it's a disaster they lose again. sight yeah they, yeah they they lose sight i just i think the progress at the moment is great i think you can see you don't need us to tell you that things are going better you can look at a league no. table and see that but yeah it's I think all we're saying is you just need to remember that a mid-table finish this season would be progress. Playoffs and pro- I mean, if Town went up this season, you could actually argue it's probably the opposite of what they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going up too soon again kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, nobody would turn around and say it was a bad thing. Because <laughs> no, it, it isn't. But it's... Yeah, we. It, I think it's just about just resetting, not getting giddy. But town getting ten points out of twelve doesn't happen. That's the that's the thing. That's where it's coming from. It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened for a long yeah. time. So the fact that we can sit here and say we still think what we said pre-season in terms of aspirations is perfectly valid, I think is a really exciting piece of progress. The fact yeah, we're having definitely. to justify it is is good. Is exciting. Yeah. Very much so. It's with, there's plenty of other conversations in a different world that that we could be having that would be a lot less uh, enjoyable and you know <laughs> a lot less uh, fun to listen to than this. And you know, it's we're almost at that point where like when you're winning, there's less to talk about and less to mm. to because there's less to complain about. And you know, we know from the stats on our website that that um, negative headlines invariably do better than positive ones. So, but in terms of um, that feeling that you want to take through the week and you know it's the whole reason that we watch this game is to get that feeling and just to enjoy you know like getting into that warm bath of uh, of having enjoyed a win yeah that's exactly it and these are I'm not going to patronise anyone and say they're new feelings for town they're not new feelings for town the supporters have, have known this from a long time ago it's just the very recent memory is just not like this the closest they've had really was well, basically, the only two periods you can look back on in the last, say, three years are the run when the Cowleys got things going of that seven games before the wheels came off mm. again in December. And then there was the very early form in the Premier League. But that's mm. how stark it's been, really, uh, in terms of, of fans' aspirations and fans' feelings. And I think it's important to say that a lot of people have criticised the club quite heavily and they've been extremely vocal about it and to be frank they've gone way too far but at the same time it's also understandable because if you just get the same old same old all the time it gets less and less bearable chicken soup's lovely but if you have it for every meal you'll get sick of it fairly quickly so the fact that there's now something different to talk about and something enjoyable and exciting it's absolutely fine to 
revel in that and be excited about it. We just have to sit here as analysts, as a journalist and an analyst, and just say, and just temper it slightly, because if we get carried away, then... (laughs) We're all on the fill boat, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we talked about that criticism, and uh, which brings us on to the interview we did with Phil. And a bit weird for me to sit here and 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 talk about it, I guess. Although, who who better? Chicken um, used to himself. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we we did that interview with Phil and Lee and 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 Dave um, on on Friday. And these are the, the kinds of conversations, just to sort of give a glimpse behind the curtain, that, that I have with Dave pretty much on a daily basis. And he's obviously, you know, giving me the thoughts of the club. But we can't always, nec- you know, I try the best I can to try and convey um, sort of the club's position on things. And, you know, everyone who's listened to the podcast will know that we've we've tried to do that. I don't just put it out there sort of unquestioned because, you know, sometimes they'll say stuff and I'll go, mm, not sure about that one, Dave. Um, but you know, it's these are the kinds of talks that I have with the club all the time and but I think it's one thing me trying to say it and not being able to quote people and not being able to put full detail around it and quite another thing for the club to to explain it in their own terms. Um what was your sort of general reaction, overall reaction to that interview, Dave? Um I think I think it's I think it was interesting on a couple of levels. I think there was a lot of information in there. There was a a lot of stuff when you drill down into it. There was a lot of new information in there that I hope answers some of the question fans had. Um I think your line of questioning without sitting here and praising you which as you know makes me physically sick. I think was good. Um and I think you you went down the I think to to tell people a little bit about behind the scenes you sort of came to me with these are the things I want to ask and we had a slight tinker but that was about it and it was basically ticking off the fans concerns one by one which I think was the exact way to approach that interview I don't think there was any other way to do it really and I think I just going off on a slight tangent I've seen a lot of people saying comparing it to the interviews he did on and he takes that chance in a in a negative light against them and I think that's absolute rubbish the context of the two interviews are completely different Steve is a journalist in a newspaper going down a very specific line they're on a podcast with a new chairman and then a chairman after lockdown who wants to sort of justify a couple of things so there's no comparison between the interviews they're all good and they're fans yeah they're all good and all contained the context that was right for those situations So I think with this one, I think there was a lot of good information. I think, as I said, I think there's a lot of fan questions that are answered. I do understand there is a little bit of negativity around a few points. And I get that because I I, I just think you have to talk in reality here. And I think there's a section of fans that Phil is going to struggle to win over, partly because he's, to be frank, he's not Dean Hoyle. And partly because he's a very different character. He's, he goes about things his own way and I think that's I think that can be both a good and bad thing but on the evidence of what we've seen so far I think you have to say that at the moment things are going well um, and I think it's important to recognize that and not just go in and say well it's it that doesn't matter because six months ago it wasn't uh, <laughs> you can't you can't live your life like that and I think that going forward the club shouldn't justify itself every single time they shouldn't feel the need to tell fans about every single last detail of the club. No football club in the world does that. None of them. Because you have to have a a plan and something you're working towards Mm -hmm. without constant justification. You have to believe in what you're doing. But it it would be nice... I think it would be nice if if the club would sort of commit to possibly do this again in the summer so that you Mm -hmm. can sort of do this interview now and then you can go back in the summer and say okay well you said this and this was going to happen or you were looking towards this talk me through how it's gone or where are the examples of this i i thought it was good i thought lee bromby came over very well as well yeah i think that's important to say i've I've an awful lot of time for lee bromby it must be said um you know i've spoken to him at a few games as well and he's obviously worked incredibly hard to get himself ready for for this new job that that he was promoted into and yeah he he, he always uh, has interesting and 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 intelligent things to say i would say without wanting to blow smoke up anyone's rear end too much that's genuinely what i think though i've said it before though 
on here, and I haven't changed my opinion, that I think he came across well, and I think he's a good spokesman for the club. But people, the, the best people in those positions, you don't hear from them. You don't yeah. know their names, because they just quietly go about doing their job well. You know, I, I said it, I used this exact example. There's a reason everybody knows who Edward Wood Jr. is, and that's because he's doing his job particularly badly there. So I, I think that I think the time... <sighs> They've answered the questions. This is what the fans wanted. They've answered all the questions. Now just get your heads down and get the jobs done. And the things that you've talked about and the things that you want to achieve and the things you're working towards, start working towards them. That's that's the way to do it now. And you can always point back to this interview as an example of, well, we have talked to you. We have talked direct to fans. We have addressed these issues. I think they're still they still need to communicate a little bit more on Canal side, but I think there's reasons they can't at the moment, and I believe well, we, there's a lot of stuff coming, isn't there? There is, yeah. We we did actually talk. Sorry, that I didn't really make it terribly clear in the piece, but we did talk about Canal side, um, but but we did that separately because they've got, as you say, they've got their own bit coming on that. So yeah. um, we felt like they were going to have sort of their say on that through their own channels um and but we've got plenty of, you know we, we spoke for about five minutes about canal side so the, we, i've there's plenty there and that will be that will actually be in our newsletter first um so you'll have seen on the website there's all kinds of newsletter signups um if you get for, for the town newsletter if you get into that then uh, then you'll get the the quotes from phil and, and lee on on canal side in your inbox first before it goes on the website so um if it does go on the website so yeah so look out for that but no, we, I, I think that the sort of the, the main takeaway from the fans, the main sort of the, the the most common reaction is I don't love all the answers they gave, but at least they've given them and that yeah. reassures me. And sort of the big thing, obviously, was was the financial side of things, just the fact that they are solvent. They've got no issues over, mm. um, you know, they've said that even with no players in or out now. Um, behind closed doors till the end of the season and hopefully it won't go on that long but if it does they're absolutely fine um, and if mm. it goes into next season as well and next season is played entirely behind closed doors they'll still be fine they might have to trim the wedge bill a bit but they will still be fine the the questions that sort of people have asked uh, primarily other than what about Canal's side uh, off the back of that interview I'll, I'll cover a couple of those off now um, one of them was was why are you making redundancies if you're financially stable I should have asked that question to be fair. Um but I think to be honest it's not you, something I I would go on. You, I I don't agree with you asking that Steve because you're dealing with individual cases and you're dealing mm. with people's jobs. Town were a Premier League club the season before last and when you become a Premier League club you have to take on more staff because it, like in a very real sense there's a load more boxes that need ticking in everything from your stadium to the way things are covered to, to just your admin side of things. So Town were probably still running slightly heavy anyway and everybody has had to make redundancies. Arsenal Football Club made redundancies. It, it it's just the reality of life and I think that one or two people have slightly lost perspective the, the Boovy question was answered and that was what a lot of people seem to be pointing towards you know how dare you lay off Andy Booth that's not happening we know that's not happening we had a direct response from Mark Devlin on that I, I think you've just got to the financial questions you asked were the right questions to to ask people to go beyond that and start drilling into individual roles, I think is that that's not your role, Steve. That's not what you're there to do in yeah. that context. For my for my money, anyway, I'm sure no, people disagree enough. with that. I, I would also say, it, even if I had asked it, I don't think it would have been appropriate for the club to answer it, which is almost sort of what you just said. Um, exactly. For, for exactly the reasons you just said, because it is an ongoing process. You know, we we had. It's a matter of public record. It's out there. We had redundancies at, at Reach earlier this year, um, after the, the which is the company that owns the Examiner, and um, you know pe people were laid off, and it's not nice. But th it's important to say that that is that making redundancies and being financially stable are not necessarily yeah like they're not necessarily mutually exclusive things. Um, is 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 what I would basically say on that, and and I wouldn't be comfortable speculating any further um and i believe that if and when sort of the the, the process that they're going through with the redundancies is finalized the club will make a comment then so yeah. um i think that's all we need to say on that 
The other question was if they've if they're financially stable, why have why has Phil had to put money into the club, um, which he has said that he has. It's it's simply a matter of of cash flow, basically. So yeah. you can you can be financially healthy, but need to put cash in. So if I, you know, Dave, you're a uh, a book supplier. If you um... call us publishers, Steve. <laughs> oh yeah, you're a you're a publisher. If you sell uh, a load of books to Waterstones or whatever, you know you sell thousand pounds worth of books to Waterstones. They don't pay you on time, um, no. and um, and you still need to pay your suppliers for the paper you've used. You need to pay five hundred quid for that. You your books, your account, your accounts will show that you are five hundred pounds up. You're five hundred pounds in profit. Your bank balance will show you five hundred pounds down. Yeah, and I I think it's important here, Steve, as well. To people need to understand that football is a business world run on promises, mm-hmm. promises and loans and stepped agreements and clauses. And if such and such does such and such, then you get a hundred thousand pounds. But if they don't, you'll only get ten thousand pounds. It is there's a myriad of this sort of stuff. So you're exactly right. What <laughs> The figure at your bottom of your balance sheet can be very different to the figure that's actually in the bank account at any yeah. one time. And the the figure in the bank account is what you've actually got to pay people with. That's yes. where your physical and, wages and your monthly outgoings are coming from. And if you can't pay those things, that's when you yeah. end up getting wound up. Um, you, can, you can be as profitable as you like, but if you run out of cash... Uh, it's it's and game you, over. You, you can't keep loaning against it either because if you keep loaning against it, all that's happening with the interest payments is you're then eating into the actual amount of money that you've got to work with in the first place. So it's not just as simple as saying, well, if we know we've got another 12 million quid coming from Carlon Grant, why don't we go and borrow 10 million quid? That's because if you borrow 10 million quid, you're probably going to have to pay 15 million quid back. <laughs> so it, it it's just not it's it's a very convoluted convoluted world to start with football yeah. and then it gets even more complicated from there yeah i mean i i some listeners will know in a past life i was an accountant uh, and i managed i was finance manager for a for a company in leeds um Nerd. you know that was the, <laughs> that was turning over a couple of million quid a year and um and you know i was managing that and you know we were always profitable we were always healthy but there were also times where we needed to be quite careful with the cash because certain suppliers would be on different payment schedules mm. but you you know you have to pay the staff every month and we, you know we always had a cash flow forecast that we needed to look after and make sure we didn't run out of money at any point during the month um so it's that's completely normal and i, and I can sh- assure you from having lived it myself and done that job myself that is completely normal for, for any business so and the other thing was the five strikers thing that we touched on earlier everybody latched onto it because they said oh five strikers five strikers but it's more about the actual philosophy of the club and people that people keep saying the names like Matty Daly and Josh Osterfeld and Kian Harrett etc Scott High for a reason and that's because town has got to become a a bit of a battery farm for these players. The, these town have got to set themselves up. You know, one of the reasons they got rid of the youth system and had to start again is because they have to become a club who creates from within. And if you do that, you then save yourself having to spend 15, 20 million every summer to flesh out your squad. And therefore you are financially stable longer term. So the whole, it's an, it's an Ouroboros. It's, it's the, it's a snake eating its tail. The whole thing has to work and go in a circle. You know, everything feeds into everything else but i think the last thing i wanted to say on the interview steve was that everybody's been calling for communication and everybody has wanted some direct communication we've even said on this podcast after they talked to talk sport and after they talked to radio 4 they needed to talk directly to the fans because it's all right talking about football but what the fans wanted them to talk about was Huddersfield Town. Now, they've yeah. talked about Huddersfield Town. They'd done the interview. It was very detailed. It was very long. It took me a good 10 minutes to read it all. That's enough now. Everybody just yeah. needs to move on for the minute. There will be points they need to communicate in the future, and I'm sure people will jump down their throats if they don't. But they've done what was asked. Everybody just needs to move on from this for a bit and just enjoy what's happening on the pitch rather than trying to pick holes in, you know, why haven't they told us about this? Why haven't they told us about that? You've, you've mm. got to give them a fair chance now to, to 
see where we go from here. And if things don't work, if they don't hit the achievements they're saying, if they don't hit the targets they're saying, then yeah, we can all legitimately criticise them for that. But yeah. this needs to be the, the before, and now yeah. let's see how the after goes. That's it, and exactly right. I think do, having done this doesn't make them immune from all criticism. No, it doesn't mean that you have doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they've said. Nope. It doesn't mean we won't continue to hold them to account if they, you know, if we think that there's that there's issues. Um, but, but they're on the as, record now. And yeah, if you're exactly. on the record, you've got to take that for what it is and mm. and go forward. Yeah, exactly, and and just that that I think just being able to to say why haven't you spoken to us or why aren't you mm. communicating just getting that off the table i think has hopefully calmed down a lot of people um yeah. which is which which is positive and as you say we'll put the attention now where where it needs to be which is which is on the pitch um preston coming up on on saturday what are you expecting from them they've not had a great start either have they no they they're still big physical they they will look Preston's whole game plan. I thought what was interesting last night is that Derby had very specifically planned for Corbin Ball, um, and they they started with five at the back to just try and basically let Town press them high and and be able to deal with that. Um, but then they switched to basically a Bielsa style three three one three at one point, mm-hmm. and it was it was interesting that teams are studying Town and how how they how they play and trying to adjust for it and I think Preston's whole game plan on Saturday will be to stop town getting into any sort of rhythm it will be a tactical foul kind of game Rotherham again but yeah but, but they're better than Rotherham obviously they've got a yeah more. and I they think they can hurt you more than Rotherham can I think say. Rotherham's game plan was just to retreat and build the walls as high as possible to stop you breaking through them whereas Preston's plan will be let's just try and upset them doesn't matter what area of the pitch we're on let's just just Mm. try and get knock them out of their rhythm and then see if we can get something out of it and it's it's a key game actually because it's a it's a big test I think I think it's a big test and I I like I know they have 10 points out of 12 and They've had a couple of really good victories, but I think it's another one of them games where take Preston's start out of it. I think if Town got a point out of it, that would actually be pretty impressive. Um, To keep that run going and get a point out of Preston, I think would be a a team they've struggled with in the past as well, I think would be progress again. And that's that's all it needs to be. Exactly what I was going to say. And and yeah, it's seven seven points from three games from a three-game week. You can't ever object to that, even if two of them are at home. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would have expected the win against Swansea. I think everyone would have said a point there was a really good result. So, um, yeah, I mean, a draw would be fine. But I think it, as you say, it's a it's a team exactly the kind of team t- Town really struggled against last year. Mm. And when Preston came to the John Smiths uh, after lockdown in in June or July, it was the limit of their ambition was just try and keep it goalless, play for the point. It will be interesting now to see if now that they've got the ambition, okay, let's go and play them and mm. and uh, you know try and play our own game against them and get something out of this and see if we can get a win. Whether Preston, because I'm sure they're going to try and bully Town again because they were so yeah. successful with that last year. Whether them try to bully Town is something that Town have learnt to adapt to and learnt to play around and it's not going to bother them or whether it reveals a bit of a weakness that they need to work on. They, Yeah, I think Town need to score twice to win that game. And yeah. despite all the positives and all the good things, we've only got the Swansea game where they've scored twice. And mm. one of those was wildly against the runner play, shall we say. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you just want to keep the... pro. We, we want to be talking about this game on this podcast next week saying we could still see the pattern, we could still see the progress, they were unlucky on this regard, etc. That's all we really want from the game. Yeah. You know, a, a win would be a massive bonus, a massive, massive bonus, but a draw would be absolutely fine too. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Thank you, Dave, for coming on the podcast as usual. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at David Hartrick on Twitter. And where can people find a copy of Mensch as recommended by none other than Andre Villas-Boas? They can on ockeybooks.co.uk or on Amazon. They have loads of stock. 
quite big. I mean, I think Amazon might blow over, but apparently they're quite big now. There you go. Magic, right. Thanks for joining us, listeners. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>